Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to STT Rewind here at Set the Tape, a fortnightly bite-sized chunk of movie, telly and pop culture chat. I'm your host, Owen Hughes, and joining me this week, as always, is Set the Tape writer Steve Norman. Coming up on the show, we briefly observe the Oscars ceremony and observe who won the big gong, whose little gong was stolen, before pointing you in the direction of our Glasgow Film Festival coverage over at setthetape.com. In part two, we ask the all-important questions about telly, such as, are binge botherers the new norm, or are we just old hat? DVD box sets, eh? They'll never take off. And finally, in free play this week, we step aside and let Amy Walker take control of the sonic screwdriver that controls mothership stt rewind as she talks what with whom that would be who with whom specifically nicholas briggs voice of the daleks and cybermen and one of the monsters i mean one of the men behind the doctor's monsters released by cock media on two disc dvd last week so without further ado let's get on with the show Starting as we always do with our film section, it seems almost inevitable that we would lead this section with a brief of the Oscars night. Uh, cutting straight to the chase, Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water sank favourite three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri in the battle for best picture. Churchill biopic Darkest Hour, coming of age drama Call Me By Your Name, and Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird also missed out, as did PTA's Phantom Thread, Dunkirk, biopic Dunkirk and Spielberg's journo drama The Post. Most disappointingly for me personally though Steve was the fact that Get Out didn't pick up uh, the little golden figurine although I'm kind of delighted that Jordan Peele did get an award for best original screenplay. I know you were a big fan of Get Out as well when we saw it. Yeah. So are you equally as disappointed to see it lose to The Shape of Water or are you with that. In terms of losing out to the shape of water, I've still not managed to see the shape of water yet. So it's difficult. Like I see, still not seen a fair few of these Oscar-nominated films. It seems like it was pretty close this year in terms of quality. There wasn't a, a standout winner for me from what I've seen uh, of the ones mm. I have seen. There wasn't one that I would have considered a, by far and away a winner. I think it was a straight race between um, Three Billboards and between Shape of Water. Yeah. I think I think um, Lady Bird was kind of a, an outside bet, but uh, it seemed to be a straight race between those two. And, you know, okay, if someone's going to win him, Guillermo del Toro, cool, fine. 
Um, I'm not the biggest fan of his work. I think some of it is a little bit showy without much, you know, substance or without much tell. Not all of it, because obviously he's done fantastic things like Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and you, well, that's the, the go-to example, you know, he's, but he's made, you know, he's made some good films. I just don't think he's as consistent as what his reputation sometimes suggests he is. Um, that's a very cynical way to begin the, the podcast this week, isn't it? Very downbeat straight off the bat. But no, I mean, but like if he's going to win it, then great. I, 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 I'm just disappointed really that Get Out didn't do it. I didn't expect Get Out to do it because of course we've only had one horror film ever win an Oscar and that was Silence of the Lambs. And even that's not like a straight up horror film. No. So, I mean, it wasn't an, a huge surprise, but you know. I think I'm I'm sure we could talk about all the categories from the Oscars in more detail if we um if we could be bothered but I guess as well by now you're sick to the back teeth of over analysis of the self-aggrandizing backslapping contest that is the academy Oh yeah Awards. and all the politics that go along with it I mean yeah the 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 various campaigns against um all the various abuses and wrongdoings from various high ups in Hollywood and the um, campaigns that have have women more equal are all very valid um, and very worthy, but my God, it doesn't half drag on, does it? Some of the people involved and some of the things you hear from people, it just doesn't sound genuine. It just sounds like they're saying it because they feel like they have to, because they have to say something. Because they don't say anything, then people will think they're against it. Giving people the platform, I think you're right. It just makes them, it almost forces them to feel like they have to be worthy. And to be worthy, you have to have a cause. And um, great that some of these things are being given a, a space to be aired uh, in such a public way. But also, you don't have to do that, is what I think. You can just go to an award ceremony and be happy with your award. Maybe... Um... The film industry should do, and this will mean nothing to people probably who aren't listening to us uh, from the from outside of the UK or listening to us from outside of the UK or not football fans. But maybe the film uh, governing bodies should do what the Premier League have done with Pep Guardiola and his his yellow ribbon for Catalan independence, and just ban or fine people from any politicised messages that they make in speeches or press. Oh, the the Pep Guardiola approach. Yeah, which I don't, which I don't agree with in in terms of what he's done or happened to him. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's quite in his rights to, to wear it, and it's stupid what the Premier League have done. But putting that kind of rule upon the film industry at the moment wouldn't be a bad thing. Just talk about the films you're doing and nothing else. Yeah, that's Pep Guardiola. By the way, for those who don't understand, he's been wearing a yellow ribbon to. Um, for Catalan independence, well, I think it's isn't it? to support the Catalan politicians who have been arrested. Um, yeah, because of their support of Catalan independence. Yeah, not necessarily that he's in support of it. Yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that's what. Yeah, exactly. Good for the clarification there, Steve. Yeah, so I'm guessing as well. Then you weren't necessarily a fan of Francis McDormand's um, speech calling for an inclusion rider, um, which. Given this podcast is two white blokes sat on our own, again. we had a woman on here last week. It was, you know, yeah. Uh, last week's episode, by the way, I'm not just saying this. I thought that was our best episode yet, and it's annoying that it was an episode that I wasn't on. 
May, may, maybe those two things are, um, you know, related, Owen. <laughs> well, well, I hope not. Uh, you got to feel sorry for, as well for Frances McDormand. Did you hear about the the um, the fact she had a statuette nabbed? Someone stole it. I'm sure they can find her another one. Yeah, I thought they caught the culprit, or a culprit has been arrested. I don't know if he's actually been charged or if they've been able to find her little golden golden statue. I mean, what's the what's the point of nicking something like that? Because you could hardly sell it, and you could hardly have it as a conversation piece in your living room. Um. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess you could black market it, or just toss, or, it, toss it in a bush and wait for a, a dog to find it, like the yeah. jewelry made. Or do yeah. what the um the people who stole the one that Brazil were given after winning their third World Cup and melt it down for its value in gold. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. All viable options. Lots of brilliant football references for the people listening to this for film chat this week. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, enough as well about football and the Oscars. Um, I was just going to point people to the website because at the moment there are some articles up uh, from Lee Hutchinson who's been at the Glasgow Film Festival uh, and he's seen uh, a whole bunch of films. Um, he's seen you, you Were Never Really Here, Blew My Mind, Lucky. All the reviews are up on Set the Tape. He's also seen Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, which he gave four stars to. That's Wes Anderson. Um, Isle of Dogs, by the way, in the style of Wes Anderson's film Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's that kind of animation style. Um, and also uh, Wes Anderson's first film since Grand Budapest Hotel. So that went down a storm. Um, and he also saw, I think the worst film of his, well, the, the film that he reviewed the least favourably was the Karen Gillan starring The Party's Just Beginning. Uh, the Party's Just Beginning, uh, which, he, which Karen Gillan also wrote and which Karen Gillan also directed. Two stars. Never usually goes well when um, when actors do that. But yeah, all those reviews up on setthetape.com at the moment. Time for some telly chat. Now, Steve, I know stories that start with the sentence, I was talking to someone at work the other day. Uh, they rarely end well, but uh, let's give it a try. I was talking to someone at work the other day and the conversation turned to what we've been watching um, and he said he hadn't watched whatever programme it was we were talking about because it was being shown one episode at a time, which is, I quote, really old-fashioned. Now, he's younger than me, but not that much younger. Uh, you, probably, you know, we're about the same age, aren't we? You know, I think there's a year, less than a year's difference between you and I. Um, he's about maybe eight years younger than us, I would say, maybe a little bit less. It suddenly made me feel really old. But, I mean, I tend, to, I do tend to binge watch stuff as well these days. I was going to say, it's not a new phenomenon. Uh, so it's not an old phenomenon. It's, not, it's, not, it's quite a new thing, sorry, this whole binge watching in terms of new shows. Now, box sets and um, things like that, that's kind of been around since we've had on-demand TV, which is a fair few years now. Um, but it, was, it would always be available to watch as a box set once at least a series or season had finished. Mm -hmm. So, you know, say season one, say back at, I don't know if this was, uh, you know, The Sopranos would be applicable for this, but for mm -hmm. use that as an example, once season one finished on Sky On Demand or whatever equivalent, you'd be able to watch all of season one. But season two would still come out weekly and you wouldn't be able to watch, you know, you'd only be able to watch what's happened so far. You wouldn't, but in the last... 12 to 18 months netflix have been dumping full series 
um, and certainly yeah. started the trend online all in one go. So it's not exactly like it's um, been around for ages. It's not like it's 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 quite a new thing. This being able well, to yeah, watch it, a, a, a a new series all in one go. Yeah, because I mean, if you uh, came, if you came to you know even two, three, four years ago, if you came to something like Lost or Dexter or something mm-hmm. um, late to the late to the game, you could binge watch it. But if you were say watching The Walking Dead, you couldn't because it comes out every week. So you would, and even though it's new, you wouldn't be able to do that. So it's not like it's a it's something that's been around for a while. This is quite a new thing. I mean, it is and it isn't, because I think that um, it's funny you mentioned sort of Sopranos and I'd say something like uh, The Wire and Lost and maybe Prison Break and shows like that. I think they kind of began this binge watching culture and it wasn't necessarily through on-demand services, but I think it started with DVD box sets and um, they were much more binge watchable, to create a phrase, than... um, stuff that was on vhs yeah i think they weren't as bulky they don't take up as much space you could just buy a, an entire like 26 episodes of a, of a series that takes up less space on your shelf than a dictionary you know it's kind of it, it it's it, that's where that culture started and i think it was only really with like you mentioned the introduction of on-demand services that that properly took hold as a a kind of cultural revolution for the way people consume media because House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Netflix, as you quite rightly mentioned as well, you know, that's where this whole trend began, where entire series were just dropped in, in one go. So it's not really like, to me, I didn't think of it as particularly old-fashioned to watch stuff one episode a week, but I think maybe it is now. I think maybe that is old-fashioned. I think it's probably changed, particularly for younger people who, you know, lots of them don't even buy um, TV licenses anymore because they just don't watch live TV. You no, know? I mean, I must admit, I barely do. I think the only, the majority of live TV I watch is is live sport. Exactly um, the same. Mm-hmm. Which I watch via Sky Go. I don't have Sky myself because I'm not mental and pay for that much money. But <laughs> my parents have Sky and I use their Sky Go quite readily, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I you know there isn't much live television I watch anymore. I think the danger that I can see just for the amount of content that Netflix put put out and the amount of awful Netflix not awful but bad Netflix content I've watched recently is that with with being able to watch so you know a whole season in one go, not having to wait weekly, I could dilute the quality of output. Yes, absolutely. Because because there's just got to be more of it coming out. Because you could conceivably... I mean, I watched The Good Place, which isn't a Netflix original, but it's only being shown on Netflix in the UK. Mm-hmm. And he's bloody fantastic, by the way. But, you know, I with, what, 20-odd-minute episodes, I watched a whole first season and the majority of the second season because I actually caught up with it being weekly in three or four days. Yeah. I think I know why you like The Good Place. Why is that? Because it's just lost... That's that's exactly what it is. Did you know about this, that Michael Schur, he met with um, Damon Lindelof and basically asked him all about Lost and then made The Good Place as Lost? (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, I think that's why you like it so much. Um, But 
but as you see, you know, it's it's back to my point. It, <laughs> it, could, it could dilute quality because the amount you've got to put out, and you start putting anything out. Yeah. Not and you know, there's could be more misses and hits. Well, I, okay, I'll give you an example of something along those lines. Um, I do tend to watch uh, like binge stuff these days. I recorded all epi- all eight episodes, I should say. Of, I don't know if you watched this or if you saw the adverts for it, but BBC's uh, kind of white-collar gangster show called McMafia, which was the worst name for a show ever. Um, it, but it was a complete waste of time because I... Rather than watch them all, like, one episode at a time each week as they were shown on TV, and I recorded them on TV one episode a week for eight weeks... Um, Rather than do that, I just binged watched them all over the weekend. And, you know, eight hours over the space of from like Friday evening till Sunday evening of just mm. one show that I didn't even like. I didn't even enjoy it. I got to the end and yeah. I thought, it. I mean, it had a very big flashy budget. Um, you know, the clearly like jet setting all around the world. Uh, it had a plot that started slowly and gradually became even slower which isn't the way that shows are supposed to work. And it had a protagonist who's as dull as a, like, as, like, the interior of a new affordable home. That's how dull he is. It was just, it didn't go anywhere. It was just, like, pointless. But if I'd have watched it one episode a week, I'd have given up within the first couple of of episodes. I wouldn't have spent eight hours on it. Mm. I would have spent maybe one and a half. Watched the first episode, halfway through the next down. Gone. Like Troy at the moment, the BBC is showing, which is their latest extravagant sort of historical drama, which is tosh, quite frankly. BB- I mean, this is a whole other story we can get to, you know, some other podcast about BBC's design, you know, their blueprint for dramas all coming out of the same treadmill and just like, pff, don't need them. But uh, as it is, like I say, I spent eight hours on McMafia. Eight. And my question is basically... You know, is binge watching the best or is it the worst way to watch a show, do you reckon? It's the most convenient way to watch it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it gives you the freedom to do it in how much time you want. The, I mean, the, the the other problem is it makes spoilers a lot more um, easy to pick up if you're watching it, you know, sure. at a slower pace. And that can ruin discussion mm. of, a, of a show mm-hmm. because... You know, if it comes out weekly, you know where you are with it. You can talk to people about it online or face-to-face, whatever. But you can talk to people about that show and you know exactly where they'll be and where you'll be. Yeah. But now, you know, and then you you binge-watch it. They might have watched four episodes. You might have watched six. And you can't really Mm -hmm. talk about it properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes makes podcasting more difficult. It definitely does. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I mean, for... um, one of the shows that I think probably fits this kind of category of should you binge watch it. It's the only way I think these days that you should watch old shows. But Baz Greenland's been writing a retrospective. It's currently midway through a retrospective of Babylon 5 on setthetape.com. I reckon the majority of people who watched Babylon 5 when it started 25 years ago, they probably did so one episode at a time. Um, but now if you were to read those um, articles by Baz and you thought I want to watch that there's no way you're going to get that show on DVD or source it from whatever other means you like and just watch one episode a week you're going to binge it because it's there 
And like you say, I think it's the convenience that does it. Whether it's good or bad, I don't necessarily know. Um, but it's, I think it's just the, the modern way. And watching shows one episode at a time is, is old hat now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm joined by Nicholas Briggs, the voice actor best known for his work behind the scenes of Doctor Who as the voice of the Daleks, the Cybermen, and a number of other creatures. But Nicholas has also been involved in a number of documentary series, some of which have now been collected in a single DVD release called I Was a Doctor Who Monster. Nicholas, you've been working on Doctor Who since the show returned in 2005, but you've been involved with the franchise and the fandom for a lot longer than that, having worked with Real Time on the Myth Makers series. How did that come about? Well, through being a fan, really, and uh, and through, I suppose, after I've been to drama school, through my career not going awfully well straight after leaving drama school, <laughs> Uh, you know, life is all about chance and coincidence and luck. And, and, yeah, I didn't have any great luck. So I kind of went back to my primary interest from school and childhood, which was Doctor Who, and got involved with a, a bunch of Doctor Who fans doing Doctor Who audio drama for fun, which I, I ended up playing the Doctor and I ended up writing and directing and uh, doing sound design and music. And when we launched these, uh, we did a little convention in Southampton. And Keith Barnfather, the producer of uh, Real Time Pictures, who make Myth Makers, was looking for, he had a presenter, he had a great presenter called Keith Harrison, who is in the mm. Doctor Who, the, the Monsters release. But uh, as you probably heard from our introductions on that, you know, Keith, although a fantastic broadcaster and interviewer, was not uh, a Doctor Who fan. So he would ask questions yeah. that would betray that and it would sort of, you know, for Doctor Who fans to watch the interview, it was a bit irritating that he would make those mistakes. And so Keith wanted to find someone who could do an interview and uh, but knew about Doctor Who. 
so wouldn't make the mistake and say all canine and the Daleks were in the same episode or something, which Doctor Who fans go, oh, no, they never were. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, yeah, little important things like that. Yeah. So that's how I started doing the Myth Makers. Also, I was much cheaper than Keith Harrison. Probably did it for nothing, <laughs> actually, I seem to remember in the first place. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and so that, that's how I got involved with uh, Myth Makers. And I've continued, really, to spend my life uh, getting involved with stuff to do with Doctor Who, which brilliantly led to me um, getting the voice of the Daleks job from the BBC and other monsters, you know, when Doctor Who came back. The new DVD collects together a number of the Myth Makers, along with the I Was a Doctor Who monster documentary. As a Doctor Who fan, I've watched a lot of the behind-the-scenes making-of features that come on the BBC DVD releases for the classic series, but I did find, watching the Myth Makers, that you went a lot more in-depth than they tend to do. One in particular that was very entertaining was when you interviewed the designer behind the Daleks, and he showed a lot of his behind-the-scenes work and unused designs. What have been some of the best Myth Makers you've found to have worked on? Um, well, uh... That one with Ray Cusa is very interesting because he really was generous with his time and all the information. He had all that stuff, as you saw, all the original drawings, and, you know, he laid it all out for us. And uh, it wasn't the cheeriest of people, as you'll have noticed from the interview. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, and I felt that my eyebrows were going further than my non-existent hairline in trying to do that thing when you're interviewing someone and they're maybe being a bit sort of... And you're trying to make them... You're trying to bring their mood up with a happy face and a smile in your voice. It wasn't working with Ray. But yeah, he was <laughs> packed full of interesting anecdotes. Fascinating, fascinating. I mean, one of the uh, pivotal points for me with my Myth Makers interviews was really, because it's really, for me, a painful, watching them is a painful catalogue of me being very shy and getting more and more confident with the job as the years went on. And also my hair retreating. Uh, <laughs> you could do a sort of strange CG animation of the hair disappearing off my head, I think. Um, it, but getting confident with it, Colin Baker was the, the first one, really, where uh, someone gave me... Uh, responsibility, you know, and said, uh, well, you're in charge, you're doing this interview. Mm. And and it, because I just happened to be at the right point of my development doing these interviews, he uh, it, it had the right effect on me. And as I say, I blossomed. And uh, so we had lots of fun doing that uh, at a sort of strange uh, museum up in the Midlands, you know, um, a sort of industrial revolution style. I can't remember what it's called, iron something. I don't know. Um, yeah, and so there were lots of messing around going on. And then uh, the next one I did was uh, Sophie Aldred. And Sophie's yeah. the same age as me. And, you know, we were both quite young at the time. Those were the days. And uh, she met up uh, with us and she had a sort of open top sports car, which we drove around. And she was just a, a crazy driver. Where, you know, those uh, narrow, uh, narrowing posts on roads that are mm. meant to make uh, drivers slow down a bit. Uh, she used drove hell for leather through those and I <laughs> visibly terrified during the uh, interview you know. but uh, yeah I mean all sorts of things I mean I think one of the most uh, uh, memorable experiences for me was John Pertwee because he was just so terrifying mm. um, he was very um, conscious of what he wanted to be in the interview and would keep stopping it every time I asked a question that didn't quite chime right with him so it it, it you know, I mean, he was a great man and a great doctor, mm. and I loved what he did. And in many yeah. ways, uh, events and things, he was very generous and nice to me. But it, that was quite 
a damaging experience for me <laughs> interviewing John Pertwee. I mean, there's an extent to which, as a Doctor Who fan, I realised quite early on that what I really wanted to do, you know, because I spend a lot of my time writing scripts and doing music and sound design and what have you, directing, I'm really interested in the, the unreality of it all. What I'd really like to do is meet Doctor Who, not mm. the actor who played yeah. Doctor Who, you know. <laughs> so that's, so there was a sort of process of, uh, uh, I don't wish to sound too uh, negative, a process of sort of disappointment because, of course, they're only people, aren't they? You know, and uh, none of them are particularly saints or anything. So, um, but and, and also delightful interviewing Tom Baker, who, you know, I work with regularly now for the Big Finish Doctor Who audio plays. Uh, uh, so I'm directing him, you know, almost every month now. We've been working for him, working with him for about six or seven years. But when I met him back then, I don't, I don't think he remembers that it was me who did that interview all those years ago with him, you know, <laughs> walking around a Doctor Who location. Bringing it back to the reason for the interview to begin with, the release of the new DVD, what would you say to those listening to encourage them to go out and watch this who probably haven't really watched Doctor Who behind the scenes before or who aren't familiar with the Myth Makers series and Real Time's work? Well, this is really, uh, to a certain extent, all about the unsung heroes of Doctor Who. Because certainly for a British audience, Doctor Who gained its popularity because of the monsters. It was the Daleks that made Doctor Who popular. And it's latterly people have become more fascinated by the character of the Doctor, quite rightly so. It's an amazing character. Um, but Doctor Who is about the monsters. That's what everyone remembers. You know, aside from the police box, it's the monsters, it's the Daleks. Oh, do you remember when these things came out of the sea? Do you remember the when the shot window dummies smashed through the window? And so you've got these, uh, you know, this fantastic roll call of monster people there's Cy Town isn't there who was in Daleks uh, for ages and uh, who else have we got oh Michael Wisher who played the original Davros and did Dalek voices who I you know knew quite well uh, and had uh, and worked and did our little um, for fun audio plays with me as the doctor David Banks who played the cyber leader who we've just recently had back at Big Finish actually you know a really fantastic bunch of people and, and of course uh, Ray Cusick, you know, who designed the Daleks in the first place. So I think it is, if like most Doctor Who fans, you love Doctor Who monsters, then this compendium is everything you can delight in about Doctor Who monsters and how they were created and the difficulties and the trials and tribulations of, of making them come to the screen. Yeah, and it is a really entertaining DVD. I watched it myself over the weekend, over a couple of days, and the behind-the-scenes interviews are thoroughly fascinating, and I found them very entertaining and informative. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I hope everyone will. Thank you very much, everyone, for taking the time to listen, and thank you, Nicholas, for not only joining us, but for your brilliant work. All right, cheers. Yes, a huge thanks to Nicholas for taking time to speak with Amy there. And don't forget, The Doctor's Monsters is out now on DVD. But from us at STT Rewind, that's all for now. Thank you to Steve Norman for joining me, Owen Hughes, for some more film and TV chat. If you didn't already know, you can now listen to episodes of the podcast through iTunes. We would love it if you could leave a five-star rating and a review if you enjoyed the show. If you're not on iTunes, you can always stream episodes from our website at setthetape.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook 
at Set the Tape. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a fortnight. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.